guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. Today we're talking about something that we've all gone through this year, something that we had no idea what we were doing, but somehow we're kind of making it through. We're talking about parenting in a pandemic, and I'm joined by pediatrician Dr. Kelly Frieden. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Advice I Give My Friends, but she wrote an amazing book this year, um, and it is titled Parenting in a Pandemic, How to Help Your Family Through COVID-19. It's chocked full of tons of helpful information um, from coronavirus basics to coronavirus and kids, coronavirus and parents, and mitigating the impact of this pandemic. Um, She wrote it for all parents who are struggling through this pandemic, and she gives so much insight, advice, and just some peace of mind. Um, I think that you're really going to enjoy this episode, but if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. So welcome, Dr. Kelly. I am so excited that you're here joining me on the Mimosas with Moms podcast. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Um, So I am a pediatrician and mother of two kids. I have a two and a half year old and a seven year old and I live in Manhattan. Yeah. my my career, you know, I used to work in pediatric complex care, which is sort of taking care of the sickest kids in the hospital and in the community. And then I transitioned mostly for lifestyle reasons to right. get that work-life balance uh, to working in public health for New York City uh, Department of Health. And in that transition, I noticed just like how how um, sometimes there's a real big disconnect between like what we know about taking care of children's health and what is out there in the community. And I saw like the value in just sharing some advice on, on social media. So I started sharing advice on Instagram at advice. I give my friends about parenting and children's health. And, and then, you know, when the pandemic hit, everybody was looking for guidance about what to do and how to make the right decisions. So I, um, wrote a book called parenting in a pandemic and, and self-published that this summer to try to help get some guidance out there for people who, who were looking for help. And your book is chocked full of lots of information about this pandemic, parenting through this pandemic, what it means. So let's kind of like walk through the book a little bit and give my listeners some little snack sized, um, bites of the book because I think everybody should go get it. It is a must read. Um, Let's talk about kind of like what is COVID in relation to our kids? Like what is it looking like with our kids? How do we keep them safe? And what are like the must knows? Yeah. You know, I think there's been sort of a pernicious rumor since the beginning of this. Like we weren't testing children at the beginning because we didn't have enough tests. We were only testing people so sick they went to the hospital. Right. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we thought like kids can't get it. And, And now we know that's not true. Kids can get it. Kids can spread it. It does seem like kids under 10 are less likely to get it and maybe less likely to spread it than you would expect. Yeah. Um, which is great news. Uh, in terms of being a pediatrician, it's like we're also thankful that 
kids have been relatively spared compared to everything that has faced adults. It's like something well, to be like thankful for. Well, like you think of for. kids and you're like, oh, they're little germ balls. Like they carry everything, you know what I mean? And here we are in the biggest like pandemic of our lifetime maybe and they're spared. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. I mean, you yeah. look at other viruses like the flu and right. and kids do kids do much worse with the flu than adults. And this just isn't the case for this. And we still don't know totally why. Maybe it has to do with like, the receptors in our body and the ACE receptor where the coronavirus binds maybe has to do with like developmental immunity. I don't know, but whatever it is, I'm so thankful for it. But I keep trying to remind parents that um, you still have to protect yourselves because, you know, like the average 40 year old parent is like at a hundred times higher risk than the four year old. And we're so used to protecting our kids. Sometimes we don't think like we have to protect us. Um, And so we have to be, you know, if anything, more adherent to the recommendations than our kids. Yeah. And I agree. I like recently wrote something that was kind of like, you know, once I start taking care of myself, my children are thriving. Right. And it's like, you know, how like important, especially this year, not only for this health piece, but for also this mental health piece. Um, can you kind of like speak to that a little bit of what that looks like for parents that are like navigating this year, this pandemic, and what are you like seeing with parents? You know, it's, it's so hard because I think parents are really at their limit. Yeah. Um, know. you know, we have more responsible advice than ever. I feel it myself. Like right. it's more stress. There's the guilt and the grief about, you know, your children aren't getting the life you planned for them. And your the anxiety about what's coming and how things are changing. You know, we're in November when we're chatting, we're like heading towards another spike. And at the same time, the unfortunate truth of it is that like as parents, we also have a responsibility to like sort of set the tone for our family. Yeah. And so, you know, when parents are struggling, uh, it, it does affect their kids. And so I, I've, I would encourage parents to, you know, the saying, like, put your mask on first on the airplane. Like, we have to. We do. Um, Because the only kids I've seen really struggling with the social distancing recommendations and the masking recommendations are the ones whose parents are also struggling with it. Um, We so much set that temperature in our house, don't we? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a big responsibility. And I, I feel bad saying it, but I do think the truth of it is that there's no substitute for setting that tone and kind of steering your family's ship right. in a positive, constructive way if you can. Right. Um, but I know how hard that can be. And particularly when you're feeling burnt out or if your kids are complaining a lot. Like I I worry the most about parents of, of older kids. My kids are little and, know. you know, they don't even necessarily – they don't have a strong attachment for Halloween, for example, like my right. two and a half year old, she didn't even remember Halloween last year. So whatever <laughs> we did was great. Um, but those teenagers, the ones whose lives have been kind of wrecked and they're old enough to know, and they're old enough to complain yeah. and mope and sulk. And the weight of that really weighs on a parent. Um, my husband you know, and I like talked about that when we were going through the lockdown back in the spring. And um, because we have four kids and they're all very young and we were like, you know, being in a lockdown with four very young kids, we're like drowning. But we were like, I wonder if it's worse for the parents who have older kids. You know, like I would hate to be fighting my teenager. You can't go see your friends. You know, you have to stay here with mom and dad when like their whole world is their friends right now. You know, like that's the development that they're in. 
I'm like, I think I would hate that more right. <laughs> than drowning yeah. than the tiny people that I was. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's no winning the pandemic. I think there's no. everybody has their own experience of it. There's no easier or harder necessarily, but I, I worry a lot, but you know, about it. It's just this mental health piece can't be overemphasized. Yeah, I think so too. And so, you know, we have like probably um, expecting moms listening to the podcast. What can we talk to them about that? What is their deliveries going to look like? How should they navigate um, visitors? And what does this kind of look like for a new baby? Yeah. So uh, this is one of the topics that I I did the most um, research on when I was writing the book because I'm a pediatrician. So I was very cautious not to overstep into OBGYN territory. (laughs) But, um, but the, you know, the research that has come out even since writing the book has continued to suggest that pregnant women aren't, um, aren't at especially high risk compared to non-pregnant women of the same age. So, you know, we don't want pregnant women getting sick from coronavirus or the flu or RSV or any colds, because it is really uncomfortable when you're pregnant and it can put you at risk for, um, you know, having a a chest infection that turns into pneumonia or delivering the baby early. But the magnitude of the risk from coronavirus compared to all those other viruses that circulate is not that different. Yeah. So for, for the, um, you know, the, the parents who are expecting um, it, it shouldn't be something keeping you awake at night or with worry. You right. know, I do think taking the precautions, especially in the two weeks or so before you anticipate giving birth, because if you do test positive around the delivery, it may be more uncomfortable, you know, less visitors in the hospital and, and um, more wearing a mask and, and more anxiety around being around your newborn. Though we do know that um, if you choose to, to room in and, and, continue to sh- like share space with the baby. It does seem relatively safe. Even if mom has coronavirus, if we're masking and washing hands, only like between like two and 4% of babies are getting it. Yeah. Um, which That's is really great. Positive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, I think it speaks to the fact that the prevention measures work, you know, the masking and the distancing. Yeah. So um, I think it's easy to kind of panic and, and have like that catastrophic thinking take over. Like, oh, it's the worst because you you know new babies are so little and so vulnerable. But but it, I think it can help relieve some of the anxiety if you acknowledge that even if the worst happens and you do get coronavirus, you know, by and large people do fine. Yeah, that is positive. Um, I know, and I I really just like feel for the expecting moms who's births are looking a little bit different than maybe they had anticipated, you know? Um, And I think that it's okay to kind of grieve that loss of an experience or the way that you wanted it to be. I think like feeling your feelings is so normal and cathartic, healthy. (laughs) Yes. It's not fair to have to be more isolated and have less support. I mean, I know we talked about the teen parents, but the new mom piece too, like it's not how we were intended to to have our experience as new parents to be so uh, kind of alone, but, 
and hopefully people can find ways to connect with others, even if it's virtual. And about the visiting, I, I know after a new baby comes, you want to show them off and you want to you wanna, uh, have those grandparents come and visit. Um, and it's complicated. I think you have to consider, you know, the factors of your specific family, um, how high risk are the visitors, how high risk are the people in your household, and think about what's important to you. Because if you have people who are really going to like roll up their sleeves and help you in those postpartum days, right. you know, that, that help may be worth uh, some exposure risk. If it's going to really mean like that you'll be able to get some sleep and some rest and help maybe with your other kids or whatever you need help with. Um, so I don't think it's black and white. I think there's a whole range of gray in there about ways that you can do it. And I, I would so too. I'd encourage those moms to really feel like, I, I mean, I always said this even before the pandemic, like it's kind of your show. Yeah. And you decide the rules. And yeah. if other people roll their eyes or don't like it, like, they're Sorry. not the one that just had a baby. And I think yeah. even now more than ever, it's like people should understand that you're going to do what you think is best for your little family and, and it'll be okay. And they'll meet the baby eventually. Yeah, I think so too. And I've like talked to some expecting moms or some like re very recent postpartum moms who like the parents or the in-laws did a really good on... Um, like quarantining for a couple weeks before baby came so that they were able to meet the baby and be there to help. You know, maybe there was other little ones in the home that they needed help with while mom and dad went to the hospital. And so I think that like if your families are able to do stuff like that too and really empower and support you guys, like that is so important because those postpartum days are rough and we need all the support that we can get. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to shout out those parents who may not feel so supported from their I families know. because not every set of grandparents can, um, you know, people have to work, so right. they can't necessarily quarantine before, or maybe they really like people are in different places. There are a lot of parts of the country where people are really against masking and That's um, true. just if I think it's, it can feel really hurtful if your family aren't able to do the things you're asking of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I would encourage people to remember, uh, you know, parents you, to remember that their family members are making decisions just from a different place. And, and it's not, it's not always like, it's easy to like personalize the reaction. Like, Oh, they're trying to ruin my life by being so lax with their precautions, but really like they're doing what they think is best. And, and it's okay to be sad about it. If you feel like they're not meeting your expectations. I kind of needed that advice for myself. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's really hard. Like, families are hard, you know, like these extended like families and your family of origin, you have like expectations of like, oh, once like you have this family, things are going to go certain ways. So when they don't, it is hurtful. So, but I think like, that's a really good way of like reframing and not personalizing it so much. I, and, you know, being I, a, and being able to sit in your hurt feelings. Yeah, it's natural yeah. to feel kind of let down. Um, yeah. You know, we we want our families to be there for us in our times so when, when we're having these big transitions. And and I I worry that, um, that it, it's really hard for people to cope with it. But to remember that, you know, this, hopefully the vaccine's going to be out and this will end one day. 
Yeah. And, and you're just because your family's making different choices, it doesn't mean they don't care about you. It just maybe they can't, you can't, maybe you can't find a place to meet in the middle right now, but, but you will have years in the future where hopefully it'll be better. Yeah. So let's talk, let's transition to more of like the school age kids. Now that, you know, we as parents had to make these really hard decisions back, you know, over the summer, what are we doing? Are we going to homeschool? Are we going to send the kids? Are we going to do the virtual learning option? Um, I'm in Ohio. So we kind of got, you got to pick whatever you wanted to do here. Um, I know some places there was the decisions were more made for people. Um, and honestly, I kind of wonder if that would have been better. Cause I was like, I was telling people, I'm like, this is the hardest decision I think I've ever had to make. And I was talking to my pediatrician, like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, we don't know what to tell you to do. Um, but so now, you know, like we've got kids back in the schools. Um, and we're anticipating kind of the second wave here in Ohio, we're kind of already seeing it. Um, We've got a lot of schools that are going virtual already. You know, there's they can't contain it in certain grades. That entire grade is out. Um, what can we kind of do to keep our families safe during this time? How can we help the schools? You know, like, how do we get through this? It's really difficult. Right. Um, <laughs> it's really difficult because I, I, I think what we're seeing I think in Biden's uh, plans uh, yeah. for coronavirus and recently the CHOP Policy Lab, which is like the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they they were advocating for a school reopening. Yeah. And for those who haven't followed me, like I've been a big fan of opening schools because yeah. I worry about the harm to children um, since children do relatively well and since we have the technology to protect teachers, if we would put the resources behind it, I I, I would love to see schools stay open. Yeah. But in areas where there's huge amounts of community transmission, you know, the, the original guidelines were over 5%, but right. a lot of places have opened and stayed open at, at you know, 8 or 10%. But in parts of the country now where we're seeing over 20%, it's just hard to imagine a way in which schools will be, um, be very safe places because we know people are asymptomatic with coronavirus. So right. even if you assume perfect adherence to, to screening and temp checking and, and all yeah. of those things, um, people will will get in um, to the school environment. And we know that it's relatively unlikely that school-age kids, particularly the elementary school-age kids, if they're in a school where they're masking and they're taking precautions, seems like less than 100, less than one out of 100 of their contacts will get it, which is right. great. But if you're having, you know, 20% community spread, that means that as many as 2% of the kids showing up at school maybe carrying coronavirus and not know it yet, right. then you're then you're just gonna see so many quarantines um, that it will be hard to keep the schools like staffed and open in in any And I think that that's way. like kind of what's going on here like in my community is it's more of a community problem than it is a school problem. You know, like in our elementary schools our our kids are masked full time. Mm -hmm. And they also in the public schools have like these plastic dividers around them. Um, so, you know, there's like a barrier around them. They're masked. Like to me, 
the likelihood that there's any transmission going on in these classrooms is very low. Um, But then you have, you know, a kid in the class that tests positive. And then per like our um, health department, like guidelines here, any child who was in six feet of this child also has to quarantine. So like, and then once you have like this domino effect happening, you've got entire grades out, our high school is out right now, you know, where the transmissions aren't happening in the schools. Mm-hmm. But now the schools are being affected. Yes. So yes. I don't know. I'm like, how how are we going to like keep this open if like this is like the domino that's just like continuing? I guess like we need to get everybody on the bandwagon of <laughs> stay home. <laughs> yes, I would love to see. I would love to see us achieve better community transmission, if only for the purpose of keeping our kids in school because school is so important to their well being. I know. Um, so I, I guess, I, I think one of the hardest things for parents and kids about it is the uncertainty. Because there yeah. is, here in New York, they have the plan to close schools if it hits 3% positivity. And it's been like, it's like 24 And so everybody feels like it's hanging over your head. That it's like, will it be this week? Will it be next week? Will it stay open this winter? Like nobody knows. It makes it right. hard to plan ahead. Right. And I think when I was back in the summer making the decision about whether to keep my kids remote or go for in-person, that was one of the biggest factors. Cause I almost think like you can get into the groove at home doing the virtual school thing. Right. And while it's not ideal, you can kind of come up with ways to, to make it work, you know, and to meet some of the social and emotional needs by doing maybe like you have a pod of people or play dates or whatever, but the, it's the, the inconsistency is one of the hardest things, I think, because you have to adjust to a new routine. So right. if, if you're out for quarantine for two weeks or if school's closed for another couple months, I don't know. Um, I think that that's the hard part, those those transitions and those adaptations, because it does take kids at least two, three, four, even six weeks to adjust to a new school environment. Yeah. So, so it's hard uh, as a parent to you want it to be seamless when when you're switching back and forth between in school and virtual, but it's not. I know. You know, like my son, he is in school. He's my elementary school kid. And um, he goes to a small private school. And so I'm like, okay, fingers crossed. Like, we're going to make it. Maybe we'll be like a little bit safer than the public school that is much larger. And I'm like, I don't know. Now we're like kind of seeing it like, creep in and I'm like oh my goodness <laughs> and I just I don't know like is there any way around it this like winter you know what I mean I think like we're all kind of just holding our breath like collectively <laughs> like yeah you know I feel it um, yeah. so now like you know we're back in school. We've got sports also that are happening. Do you feel like sports are like a good idea for kids during a pandemic? That's a great question. So (laughs) I I mean, at the individual level, like kids need to move, right? They need to move so they can sleep. They actually learn better when they're active. They, They have better moods, less anxiety and depression when they're active. Yeah. And sports can teach some great life skills and provide such a nice community. So I really do value sports. Um, I think the trouble is um, 
some sports are hard to distance, you know, I mean, some, some like tennis or cross country, even swimming, if you can have a safe locker room situation, I think is pretty safe. But some sports have inherently much more contact, like basketball and soccer and, um, you know, um, wrestling, for example. It's hard to, those sports inherently, like, don't have distancing involved. So there's just, like, there's a spectrum of, like, decisions. There's a spectrum of sports, like, safer versus more risky. And um, also there's a spectrum for the kinds of activities. So it's one thing to do like practice or scrimmages within your own team versus like combining school teams versus like combining regional teams. Like I heard that there's over Thanksgiving, there's a hockey tournament for kids in Arizona with 200 teams coming from like all over and they're not wearing masks. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how is this happening? It cannot happen. Like, so I, I understand the value, but I think that there are some, particularly when transmission is spiking, I think we need to uh, err on the side of encouraging our kids to do safer sports or to like less mixing of pods. And um, I think even more importantly, because we can't always control those decisions as parents, you know, they're kind of made at the policy level. Um, But what we can control is our behavior at the sidelines. And I think I've seen even in New York that people you know, sit on the bleachers right next to each other. And and that is really silly. Like we, we, as spectators, we have to adhere to some of these social distancing recommendations. And I know that like uh, attending the sporting events is kind of like something we're really used to as parents. We really enjoy, but I think it's important for us to maintain precautions because yes, your kids are exposed to each other, but it's different if you have a direct exposure versus an indirect exposure. You know, it's not like, even if, uh, kid A gives it to kid B, that doesn't mean that the parents are both going to get it. Um, and so right. if you mix the parents, that's like a whole nother, a whole nother exposure. So right. I, I would encourage parents to maintain those precautions at the sidelines. And I, I think it's an individual choice about the risk and benefit to your family and your pod. Yeah. And because I kind of like going along with like the social skills piece for kids I think that that is like probably the hardest part of this pandemic um, on top of the uncertainty and all the anxieties that us like as the parents are going through, but for our tiny people, you know, who thrive on these connections and being with their peers, how can we like support them through this when there's the distancing and the masking and all these pr- protocols that are put in place that seem like barriers? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I think you you maybe did the best thing by having four kids. <laughs> you have your own little pod, no matter what happens. Oh my goodness! I, I'm gonna like make my my four year old listen to that because the other day she's like, "I just want to play with a friend." I'm like, "I literally had your sister so that you would have a friend." Um, like, I, that's not why I had her sister, but you know what I mean. I'm like, you have this built in friend. They're 15 months apart, and she, that's my sister. That's not my friend. My sisters are friends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I do think, um, I think that it's easy for parents to forget that parents are also friends, you know, and even, you know, talking with your child about, you know, their interests, having family dinners together, playing board games together. 
I think it's easy for parents to forget that um, those interactions totally count in terms of social skill development for your children. Yeah. You you know, the your household is like a rich environment for learning. Um, and we take it for granted because it's like where we live and where we're comfortable. But I think young kids can really thrive at home um, yeah. as long as the parents have the energy and the bandwidth to support them. And that is important too. Like it's, it's not realistic to think you can work full-time from home and right. be a full-time educator and, and caregiver for your child. Like it's, and play it's and not, and, yeah. <laughs> it's not you failing at your responsibilities. It's like, that is a system that's set up for failure. It's yeah. just like, no one could do that. Right. So I think parents, um, I think, especially early in the pandemic, people were scared to kind of ask for help or bring in help. Um, and, and I think, I think we should acknowledge that like there, this has gone on so long. Sometimes yeah. you need help. Right. And whether it's a babysitter or, or um, a neighbor who you can kind of pot up with, I think that those um, supports will make it more sustainable and that, um, that most little kids will keep gaining those social skills just fine. I know. I think so too. And I completely agree with like, Utilize your supports. <laughs> I'm like, you know, when we went into the lockdown, I was distance learning my third grader. I had two toddlers and the baby was seven weeks old, like when wow. we got locked down. And I'm like, I am in too deep. I cannot do this. And so, you know, going through that, that was hard. Um, and I've talked with, you know, now my kids, so I'm utilizing my nanny again. Um, and we're very safe with her because she's older. Um, and we've kind of talked because she was like going through some like depressional stuff being away from the kids. She's like, you know, I miss my kids so much. Like I need them. And I'm like, yeah, I miss you so much too. <laughs> I need you too. And we've talked about, you know, like if we ever like had to go through that again, another lockdown, or, you know, what is it going to look like this winter? You know, are we going to have to be more careful? I'm like, but we're not not having you. <laughs> like, we're not going through that again, you know, and I just think like, you know, we'll have to take better precautions, or we'll have to make sure that we're keeping her safe, and she's keeping our home safe, and that we're all on the same page. But yeah, you know, like, I know I need the help. My kids need that extra support. And that's, you know, how we're going to get through. Um, and I love like that you said that we're also the social skill piece for our kids, because I think that we do forget that, that we're just like so up to our eyeballs and feedings and the virtual school and, you know, the to-do list. But, you know, like, like we have a trampoline in our backyard. And when I get on that trampoline, my kids go nuts. Like, yes, <laughs> mom's out here. Like, this is so cool. And, you know, I might like pee my pants the whole time, but, <laughs> but it makes you feel good too. You know, like you're out there, you're moving your body and it's like, it's good for your mental health too, to get out there and like burn off some energy with them. So I think that that's a really good um, piece of advice to kind of take away from that. Um, Dr. Kelly, I think that this conversation was so important, but I think that your book is chock full of so much important information. So tell my listeners where they can find the book. 
So um, I have all the links. It's it's available as an audiobook, ebook, and paperback now. And I have all the links on my website, adviceigivemyfriends.com. Yeah. Or you can find it, you know, on Amazon and Apple, some of the stores. Yeah. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Parenting in a Pandemic, How to Help Your Family Through COVID-19. Yeah, and it is, seriously, it's, a, it's an easy to read. It's chock full of information. Um, thank you for this labor of love. Also, you are on Instagram and you're putting out amazing content. Tell my listeners where they can find you. Yeah, my Instagram account is is advice I give my friends because that's kind of why I started the account, just to yeah. give sort of fun advice to my friends. Yeah, and you're doing a great job over there. So thank you um, for everything that you do on that platform as well. Um, Make sure that you go give Dr. Kelly a follow. And cheers to navigating Mm -hmm. parenting through a pandemic. Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to connect.